So if you're visiting today and you don't know who I am, my name is Andy. I'm a pastor here at Christ First Church. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, and welcome to our message. Uh, I don't know if you uh, speak any foreign languages. I'm embarrassed sometimes to be English because we don't. We speak so few. What we do is we go around the world just shouting louder and louder as if that's going to make a difference. So uh, we say hello. And when someone doesn't understand us, we go hello. Like that makes some kind of a difference to the English language. I was really embarrassed once. I, I drove to the Netherlands, uh, to Holland, and I I drove up to, me and my family drove up to a drive-in McDonald's at two in the morning. Two in the morning. At two in the morning, as we get to this drive-in McDonald's, we say to the speaker box, just remember, two in the morning, excuse me, do you speak English? And this was the answer I got, of course. Now, I will challenge you, especially guys who are in the McCure, uh, why don't you sort of drive up to the, uh, to the McDonald's there and ask them if they speak a foreign language in the little box, you know, do you speak Swahili, they're going to go, huh? But in, but in the Netherlands, they're like, of course. And we chatted over the speaker box and we ordered our food. And I felt embarrassed to be English because I've been going to Holland now for about 18 years. And I know six words, like, hello, two beers, the bill, please. That's about what I basically know, as we mostly know in most foreign languages. Um, all right, so um, have you got the clicker for me? Just so I can click on. Thank you, if you can. Um, right, do you know the Persian or the Dari or the Farsi word for hello? What's the word? Salam, is that correct? Salam, yes. Yeah. Salam, okay. Salam. Now, salam does not actually mean hello. What does it mean, brothers? It means peace. Yeah, salam, peace. It means peace. It's from assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, peace be with you. So, so the greeting word for just saying hello is peace. What's the, uh, what's the word in Hebrew? Shalom, okay. What's that word translate to? Peace. So the word for hello in two major dialects, major languages, is the word peace. Just greeting each other with peace. And I want to make a point there. That's interesting. I mean, even in the 70s, in our kind of hippie days, and the, anyone who's in the room remembers that, and if you're old enough, it's peace. By the way, I had to teach my Afghan friends, make sure it's this way around. The other way is not good. The other way, in fact, is not obscene. The other way around is to do with archers having their fingers removed during the French and English wars. And they would go, well, I'll do it now. Let's hide it from the camera. I still got my fingers. That's what it meant. It meant you haven't caught me yet. It was a taunt to uh, the foreign forces. You haven't caught me yet. I've still got these two fingers. That's where it came from. So that's what it... So peace is an important piece. It's a greeting. It's something we say to each other. The, the moment you meet someone who is from parts of the world, they're going to say to you, peace, as, as their hello message. But let's just have a moment of truth. Let's have a moment of truth, brothers and sisters. A moment to reflect and think about this. Thank you very much. Cheers. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many times we might say it to one another, no matter how many times a leader might promise it, we don't get it. We don't seem to be able to achieve peace. We're constantly at war, disagreements, nationally, locally, no matter how many times we say peace, how many times a leader promises to deliver peace, we never seem to get it. I want to propose we never are going to find peace in human beings. They can't deliver it. No matter how much time we try and say it, they don't deliver it. 
We need to look for another source. Maybe we should look to God where man keeps failing. The word peace appears 790 separate verses in scripture. And I'm going to read to you from Philippians 4, 4 to 9, which says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Threaded throughout that is this offer of peace for us individually and a call to make it known, to make sure our peace is seen so it's practiced, so it's experienced by everyone around us. The peace that transcends all human understanding. What does that mean? It's a peace that doesn't come from our effort. It comes from somewhere else. It comes from God. I want to just argue it's, it's peace is about four directions. It's about peace that needs to go up, peace that needs to come down, peace that needs to go in, and peace that needs to go out. So peace up and down, or down and up. We need to make peace with God himself. The, we need to make peace with God himself, the creator of all things. And listen to here to King David. Sorry that font doesn't seem to work on that computer. My error. But I'll read it out to you anyway. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David is crying out like, wash me clean. I know that I'm a sinful person. I'm not at peace with myself. I need to make peace with God. And after he had sinned, he says, wash me clean. David knows God is holy and he's righteous and he abhors sin. David's crying out because he sees the sin that separates him from God. And it hurts to be separated from God. So he's crying out, I don't want to be separated from you because of what I've done. Sin has to be blotted out somehow. And that's what he's crying for. That's what he's calling for. Back in the Old Testament times, God made a way for blood the blood of an innocent animal, often a lamb that would be, be sacrificed to cover the sin of mankind. Sin must be put to death and blood of, the blood of something innocent was to cover it. And before we get overly sensitive about animals, let's not think that for a moment the People sacrificing, the Israelites in this instance were thinking, oh, we're just sacrificing an animal. It was, it was meaningful. It was, it was too horrible to do. It was something they didn't enjoy in many ways, but they did it because of what it meant. It meant, it was deeply symbolic. It meant this animal is giving up its life to cover our sin. This animal is giving up its blood to cover, its innocent blood to cover for my guilt and sin. For peace up, sin has to be dealt with. Animal sacrifices were unpleasant because sin is horrible. As Christians, we believe that system of animal sacrificing 
to show our inability to keep up with the law, to please God by just doing the rules, was a temporary solution. It couldn't keep going. It didn't change. We had to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And we weren't being changed by it. So a new covenant comes in place, a new offer of God, a new offer. Because no matter how hard we try to keep God's law, we're rebellious. We're supposed to love one another, but we don't. We're supposed to look after each other, but we don't. We're supposed to care for other nations, but we don't. And we'd have to keep sacrificing animals again and again and again, and that was bloody, and it was horrible. So how about this? How about if there was one sacrifice for all sin? One sacrifice for all sin. No more animals needed, but the same principle of blood covering our shame and our sin, but for the whole world, for all of mankind, on a global scale. Blood that will be offered to the entire world. For us, that means enter Jesus. God sends him down to earth. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 1, 2, 1 to 2. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's what the word of the Lord says. That's what our Bible tells us. He's not just an atoning sacrifice for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. The divine one, born of Mary, fully God, fully man, tempted like us, but never sins. The Bible calls him the lamb without blemish, a person who doesn't sin, a unique person because he's the son of God. God sends him and he's the only one that can live without sin. He dies, he bleeds for the sin of mankind and he rises again on the third day to say, Death is defeated. It has been conquered on the cross. Sin was dead, but he was alive. This is how we gain peace up. It's a gift from God sent down to die for our sins in order that we would have peace in. J.H. Thayer said in a, in a quote there, at least that's in the right font. Uh, he said this, what is peace? Peace inside, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and fearing nothing from God and content with this earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. When we receive this sacrifice of Jesus, we can stop striving. We're not trying to win God's favor by abiding by things. We can stop striving because we receive God's grace and mercy. Romans 10, 9 to 11 says, because, of, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses as in, and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him shall not be put to shame. This is what we believe. We believe you find peace when you accept God's offer of Jesus. No longer trying to prove that we can try and abide by his rules because we, the law proves we can't. The law proves we so often fail. That's why animals had to be sacrificed. But Jesus comes and said, like, that, doesn't, that system doesn't work. It's not the permanent solution. Here's the permanent solution. Believe in me and you'll be washed free of, free of your sin. Confess with your mouth that he did it and you'll be saved from your sin. Then you'll have peace in. No need to strive to be right with God. Then we can start to live with peace in. And then we can start to show peace out. The next verse in that scripture from Romans, it's especially on a beautiful on International Sunday because it's about peace with everyone. It says this, 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's seismic. That means there's no difference between, in this context, the people that God chose and everyone else. It wasn't just the Greeks who were saying, no, there's no difference between God's people, the ones that he chose, and everybody. Everyone is now included. The gospel is for all to see and everyone to receive. And it's critical because the gospel of Jesus and the forgiveness we, we take in, we want to make sure we offer and we give out. We want to be transformed from the inside. So that must be seen by people, by others. It must be demonstrated that something has changed in us, that we have been forgiven and we need to demonstrate it out because sin hurts people. Sin hurts other people. When we sin, it's nearly always against someone else or someone else is involved in that. And yet we've been set free from that and we need to live a life where we say we, we abhor sin. It costs the blood of animals and then it costs the blood of Jesus Christ, our sin. Therefore, we should want to live differently, love extravagantly, reach out to everyone who needs God's love and our help. If we hate sin... We must, and I mean we must, live in love, reaching out to those around us, regardless of where they come from. Our love that God has given us must be seen, known, and practiced. And Jesus said, he says, my Father will send the Holy Spirit to be a helper for you in that, a helper for you in that life, and he will help transform you inside and out. And a person filled with the Holy Spirit produces fruit, and that fruit, like sin is seen by everyone else, that fruit should be seen and experienced by everyone else. Everyone around us. Supernatural abundance. It's beyond just being nice and kind. It's something when, when we receive forgiveness for sin, we don't then go on sinning and think, well, hey, I'm off the hook now. We think, no, that's an amazing that I have been forgiven and I need to respond to that. How do I respond to that? I respond in the way of God. The way of God is love. It says God is love. God loves all people. So what does that fruit look like? Galatians 5, 22 to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. And all those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and the passions and desires. What is it we're trying to demonstrate out when we receive Jesus? What is it that people should experience when they get to see us? No matter where they come from, what they believe, what their background is, what nation they come from, we are to show them joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today I wanted to show that image of the tree. It's a shame those fonts have got over everything, but never mind. The tree in the corner there was to remind us that globally, peace eludes us. Globally, we struggle to see peace. Surely the last couple of years have shown us in our lifetime, I'm sure none of us thought we'd see what we're seeing now. Nations falling apart, people falling apart, individuals leading nations to do cruel things to one another. We thought we were past that. We thought that was something from the, the 1940s and before. But in our lifetime, in this lifetime, we're hurting people. And we need to say, well, we can blame, we can say, but that's mankind do what mankind does. But we believe in God. We ask God to show us peace, ask God to direct us. And we need to be different. We need to show 
that we are different. A person saved by, the, by Jesus' blood and filled with the fruits of the Spirit will be different to those around us. Will not judge people on where they come from. Will not exclude people from anything. And we can keep complaining about the world leaders. But what about us? We can make a difference. We can reach out. We can be the most desiring of inclusion church ever. That's what we want to be. We want to be a, a church that reaches out into this town. And this town is multicultural. And right now, full of extra nations, many nations are here. Our desire is to show and demonstrate that because we have been forgiven by Jesus' blood, because we have been loved by a loving God, we will show them what that means. We will demonstrate that love to them. We will demonstrate God's love to everyone and anyone who wants to hear it and experience it. It says, make your gentleness known. Make your gentleness known. That's what I want us to do. That's what I want us to do as a church, to make our gentleness known, to make the gentleness of God known, to make people know that he loves them. And not only does he love them from a distance, he loves them up close. And the up close is you and me. The up close and personal love of God is demonstrated by you and me in our hands and our voices and our feet. We will continue to pressurize in the most loving way this church to make a difference to everyone in this town. To make our gentleness known. To reflect God's heart. We don't do this to gain God's love. We don't do it to win his love. Because it was given to us in Jesus. That's what we believe. That We don't need to do anything more to win his love. If he would give his one and only son to save us, that's enough love. That's all the love I ever need to see. I don't need him to do anything more. I don't need to win more favor. I don't need to win more favor from God. I need to respond to that and then make a difference with everyone around me and everyone around you guys. Because he, we love because he first loves us. We love because he first loved us. We don't love because eventually we might win him his favor and then he'll love us. We love because he's already loved us. He's already done enough. We believe on that cross, when Jesus dies to cover our sin with his blood, that's enough. Don't want any more from you, God. I don't even deserve that by a long margin, but for some reason you've chosen to give it to me. And therefore, I will now love because you love me. You've made peace with me. I will make peace with everyone. I don't care if we disagree on many things. My friends from Afghanistan will know this. We don't agree on many things, but surely, guys, you know I love you, right? And I know you love me. That's the relationship we have, that we care for one another. I don't mind where you come from. You've got a background nothing like mine. I come from this nation. You come from a completely different nation. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is you know God loves me and I love you. Not because I'm trying to win his favor. Not because I'm thinking by loving people, God will now love me. He already does. I don't do anything to earn that. But because I've been loved in such a radical way, I will give up all my hours and all my days to show his love to whoever God puts in front of me. And in this season, it's my brothers and sisters from Afghanistan. And I'm pleased and honored to know you. This church needs to continue to practice that. We have seen a change in the heart of this church that so we need to go out and show love to everyone around us. Amen. We're not about being in this room going, aren't we doing great? Aren't we doing well? It's great to come to church for us on a Sunday. A bit radical for some of you guys from Afghanistan, I'm sure. You probably thought we were going to have a church with a big steeple and, and you've got this thing going on. 
We're not always this loud every Sunday. Well, maybe we are. But, but the point is that we are to be a place that makes a difference to this town. Whoever's here, wherever they come from, whenever they're here, we want to make a difference. Remember, Scripture tells us in Ephesians, God loved us even when we were dead in our sin. God loved us even when we were dead in our sin. The point here is that God loved us when we were sinning. He didn't love us when we stopped. Because we can't stop. We've tried over and over and over again. And like I said earlier, we thought the world was better than it is today. We've proven we can't. We need a different solution. And that is what we believe Jesus did on the cross. So we don't judge. We don't show prejudice. We love because we were loved enough by God that he would send his son for our sin. Amen.